Alive multivitamins and minerals give you all the nutrients you need for a well-nourished life. Made with a blend of 26 fruits and vegetables and suitable for vegetarians. There's a range of targeted solutions for the whole family. Get more out of life with Alive. Available in selected Holland and Barrett stores and online. Food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a varied balanced diet and healthy lifestyle. Hi, I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, your host for The Wellness Edit with Holland and Barrett. In today's episode of our brand new podcast, we're going to be talking about problems with the skin, how they can affect us and how we can start to begin the healing process. Joining me today, I have Hannah Silito, founder of the Hannah Silito Vegan Skincare Range and author of Radiant Eat Your Way to Healthy Skin and skin healing expert, your five pillar plan for calm, clear skin. And also we have Holland and Barrett's beauty expert, Romy Ollie. Hello, ladies. It's so wonderful to have you both with me here today. It's so Hello. great to be here. Hi, nice to see you all. Lovely to see you. Now we've got a real fun packed episode today. So I wanted to really start by asking you both um, a bit more of your opinion about skin conditions in general. Um, Now, Romy, skin conditions are said to be more prevalent at the moment. Have you got any thoughts about why that could be? Um, I think the main reason they're prevalent, there's two reasons. They've probably always been there, skin conditions. People have had conditions such as dry skin, perhaps acne, um, eczema, things like that. Obviously, Hannah will probably talk about a bit later. But I think because of social media and the availability of um, people discussing it in the media, is people are more aware of it, you know. Do you find that that's true in your experience, Hannah, or have things always been quite commonly um, related to skin problems for people? Do you know, the problems have always been there, absolutely. I certainly think that on the rise and the statistics reflect that. But I also think a huge part of this is about people sharing on social media and feeling so much more confident and inspired to share. Now, just speaking from personal experience, my first book, Radiant, which you mentioned, was published three years ago. And back then, people following the plan used to send me their before and after pictures. And they were always quite nervous. And their first sort of reaction was, oh, please don't share this with anyone. Whereas now, over time, people have started saying, here's my before picture. I want you to post this because it's going to keep me accountable and I cannot wait to show you my progress. And I think that is such a huge positive in social media. You know, we see so much negativity around Instagram and Twitter, but actually when it's used in the right way, it can have that really positive influence. And I definitely, definitely think people are more open with sharing. And then of course, The chaos of this year, the enormity of everything that's happened, I think, you know, as Romy said, certainly brought out certain stress-related skin conditions or exacerbated them, I think, and brought them to the the forefront. Wow, that's a really interesting answer. And, you know, it, it didn't really occur to me to think about skin conditions and social media in such a positive light because, you know, we're always hearing about how people are editing and using filters and how it's not reality and it can give people somehow a false sense of what to expect from their skin. So it's wonderful to have the flip side of that where actually a lot of people are gaining a lot more empowerment from being able to share their skin journey. And I'm assuming also connecting with other people who have similar skin conditions 
conditions. Is that right, Hannah? I mean, that is massive. You know, when you talk about the airbrushing and the filtering, and of course that goes on and we're all yeah. aware of it, but it's amazing to see, even on those accounts, especially when we're talking about celebrities who do airbrush and use filters, the moment they don't, those pictures get so many more likes, exactly. so many more comments. Because I think we're all craving reality. It's like, let's all be yeah. real. We all suffer from these problems. I'm guilty of using filters, of course. You know, mm. I'm guilty of, of using makeup to hide blemishes. But I think when it comes down to it, we can all relate to one another. And especially those of us in this skin community battling with chronic skin conditions, to be able to open up and say, look, this is me. It hurts. It affects my confidence. It impacts my social life. I think is such a powerful message and one that I just love to see being shared on social media. Wow. And I can definitely see that passion shining through and hear it in your voice. It was actually would be really interesting to understand what is it that gave you this passion? Have you had a lot of issues with your own skin? I mean, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll be here all day. So yeah, absolutely. When I was a teenager, 15 years old, I got acne. And you know, that's a problem for so many teenagers these days. And I remember my parents trying all sorts of over-the-counter acne treatments to try and clear it. And it just wasn't clearing. My doctor was then suggesting, you know, altering my contraceptive pill or trying various treatments. And at the time, I thought it was the worst thing ever. And then just before my GCSE exams, my arms started erupting in what to me looked like little chicken pox, little dots all over my body, went back to the doctor. And eventually I was diagnosed with psoriasis, which is a chronic autoimmune skin condition. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office and him saying to me, unfortunately, for this particular condition, there's no cure. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that can't be right. You're my doctor. And just give me the cream. Just give me the mm. medicine. I'll take it, you know, and this will go away. And then over the course of the subsequent 20 years, so two decades, I was on this cycle of steroid creams, emollients, coal tar shampoos, anything and everything, unfortunately, never to cure the condition because my doctor was right. It wasn't curable, but to manage it, to try and keep it under control. And it affected so many aspects of my life. So this wasn't just the pain of the skin condition. This was my social life, my career. It impacted my friends, what I ate, who I saw, where I went, what I dressed in, you know, even standing under those bright changing room lights used to fill me with anxiety. So while all my friends in their 20s are going clothes shopping, it was the last thing I felt like doing. And I think going through such a battle makes skin conditions and especially, I guess, chronic skin conditions so relatable for me and certainly means that I can connect with my audience where perhaps their GP can't in terms of the emotional and mental health elements of dealing with a skin condition. Yeah, I can really see that. And, uh, and I, you know, I speak from personal experience. I think acne is probably one of the most, um, really kind of crushing diagnoses, especially because people try so many different things, uh, to try and get a handle on it. And, um, you know, my own family as well, my mother, she suffered from such severe acne and it's not just teenagers, um, mm. especially in Western societies, it can affect people of any age. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely something I think that people can really get a lot of psychological impact from because it's so visible. Um, and Romy, I, I'm sure that you'd have seen that as well. Okay, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And there's so many positive um, things that we see on the internet. But I do. I'm in a shop, obviously, meeting the public. And the flip side of that, sadly, can be 
people, especially younger people, who um, relate and look up to maybe some of the reality stars who, as Hannah said, if, they, if they're not totally honest, will have um, one blemish on their face one day and said, I use this and it went. And these poor people kind of buy into that. And it's, it's very hard to be... Um, but you have to be fair with them and say, well, it, everyone's conditions are slightly different. And, you know, you've got to kind of put the, yeah, put the, rea the, re the reality side of it to them that maybe the product wasn't going to work overnight. And, um, and, and uh, yeah, put that side across as well. It's lovely to hear about your passion for helping people, nurturing mm. them through their skin um, yeah. issues. What are the most common skin conditions that people are presenting to you with, Rummy? At the moment, obviously, it's the, the mask. They call it mask skin, don't they? Um, it's, it started a few weeks ago, really. I noticed people, um, actually, interesting enough, it was the younger girls coming in and, you know, moving their masks. Can I move my mask? I've got a few blemishes here. Um, now I'm starting to tell the, the, the older generation are getting it. And um, for some people, obviously, it could be because of um, uh, having an oily skin, so they're getting a different type of pimple. If you have a drier skin, you can have a pimple, but it may not be oil-based, it won't be sebum-based. It's more sensitive because their skin is sensitive and dry and, you know, irritated under the mask. So it's that's one thing which is really, really prevalent at the moment. I'm coming, having people every day coming to me for advice on that and um, reassurance and um, because it's something, you know, we, we're going to be um, dealing with for a long time, I think. Right, yes. And um, I think it's probably also important to note that as we're talking about skin conditions and skin issues, it will also be important for you if you're suffering from a skin condition or a skin issue to also speak to your own doctor about it because so often people sort of try things at home or try things that their friends have recommended and in actual fact if they do visit their doctor it's surprising that there can be some really important treatments that they'd really benefit from it, it's a little bit about trying as much as you can filling your toolbox with all the appropriate tools and the, the right information so for Hannah as she mentioned in her own journey she was able to use the things that her doctor prescribed for her but she also had so many other things that she was able to use to help her so you know getting back to how you are feeling and what really drives your passion um hannah you've mentioned some of the ways it affected your life have you seen that as well with the people that you've been helping and what kind of impact has it had on them yeah massively and you know as rami said at the moment something as simple as wearing a mask, which we're all being asked to do at the moment and we're all doing to keep ourselves and one another safe is so important. And then you get this flip side where it's having a negative impact, you know, personally. I know that hand washing is a huge thing at the moment as well. Of course, we're all using sanitizers, using soaps, and we're seeing an increase of eczema on the hands. Now, something like that, you think, okay, well, someone might be able to go out and wear gloves or, you know, I used to have this habit and I still do it now, even though my skin has been clear for seven years. I pull my hoodie sleeves over the back of my hands because I used to hate people looking at the psoriasis patches that were on the back of my hands and on my palms. I had this habit of when I went to pay for anything, you know, doing so by pulling my jumper over my hands and yeah. then putting my pin code into a machine. And I still instinctively do it, which is so bizarre. It's been so ingrained over all those years. So... I think this element of, of a condition that is so visible, you know, as you mm. mentioned, Gemma, it's a visible condition. It's a chronic condition. It's always there. So it's always at the back of your mind in whatever 
aspect of your life you're going through, whether it's a change in job, you know, are people going to stare, are people going to comment, whether it's dating. Oh my gosh, I used to, you know, dread it when it got to like the fourth or fifth date and you're thinking, I'm going to have to start having this conversation with somebody. If it's somebody that I want to be intimate with or continue this relationship with, that actually, you know, my skin looks awful under these long sleeves and long trousers that I've been wearing. And I think these are problems that are perhaps not quite as widely discussed. And, you know, your GP has a finite amount of time. You've got a 10 minute appointment. You might not be able to go into all these different aspects of how something so visible is impacting you emotionally, physically, mentally. And I would like to think that these are the bits that I can help people with because I've been there, I've experienced it, I've been through that cycle of, you know, steroid treatment and medication, which never really had a significant impact for me. As you say, the diagnosis is important and then working out what's right for you going forward is absolutely crucial. But for me, we've got to stop masking these problems. We've got to stop suppressing these problems. We've got to really begin within and really start to work on a you know, combined holistic approach to keep ourselves well, to manage stress, to manage our diet, to manage our lifestyle. This year, more than ever, you know, with everything we're all going through at the moment, I think it's so important. And having that support there for people, I think is absolutely crucial. Yeah, I agree. And I like how you put that, especially in, in these challenging times. It is incredible the amount of impact that stress can have on the skin. And I've certainly seen that not only in my clinics, but in uh, the experience of uh, friends and family. And it's instinctive, but there is evidence also in the literature to suggest that our skin can be affected by things like um, hormones and um, sleep and stress and medications. Uh, And, you know, Rami, in Mm. your experience, do you find that those things can have an impact on skin as well? Or are there other factors as well that you consider to be important? Yeah, so there's... um Genetics affect um, stress, obviously, um, lifestyle, those things really do have an impact. I agree. I think it's really important to take that holistic approach. And as you say, it's not just about creams and potions and lotions. It's about looking at diet and sleep and stress and things like that, which we can talk about in a bit more detail. We can give our listeners some very specific tips and tools. Um, What's your opinion on this, Hannah? Do you feel like um, you focus on those things primarily or, or is there a different technique that you like to use with the people you help? Absolutely. I mean, those those areas are are key. You know, they're everything. I talk about it in the five pillar plan in my latest book, Skin Healing Expert. For me, this all begins within. And I think our gut and our digestive tract is being talked about so much more now, not just by naturopaths and holistic therapists, but in science by doctors. You know, the gut microbiome is such a massive area of research. And some of the studies coming out are just fascinating. The impact that stress can have on depleting our gut of bacteria. And then you begin to think, well, what on earth has the gut got to do with our skin, but actually there is such a strong connection there too. And the studies are showing it that our skin has been shown to be a map of the gut, you know, so what's going on inside. If we've got a poor diet, if we've got stress, if we've got a poor night's sleep and all these different things are kind of adding up. And then we've got the genetic predisposition that Romy referenced. It's like this overflowing bath of problems, you know, and gradually the water's got to spill out and the condition has to come out somewhere. And quite often, For people that can manifest as a migraine or as IBS or, you know, all these different things. But for me, it's always appeared as a skin condition. So if there's something wrong on the inside for me, 
it reflects on the outside. Now, I've gone through phases in my life where my diet's been spot on. I've been exercising daily and still something like stress has come in and it's so powerful. You know, it shouldn't be underestimated. And I see those telltale little red dots begin to appear again on my arms. And I know that's like this early warning barometer for me that says, stop, okay, something's going wrong and you need to correct it. So the main point there is really not necessarily to aim for perfection because none of us is perfect, but also to boost your confidence. And for a woman, that might be actually to find a really good concealer that you can wear when you're out and about and you feel more confident about how your skin looks. I suppose wellness and self-care can look like so many different things, can't it? In our busy lives, it can be difficult to get all the nutrients we need. So say hello to Alive Ultra Women's Energy Multivitamins. With 25 vitamins and minerals, this complete whole food formulation is specially balanced to meet the nutritional needs of women and includes a unique beauty blend to help support normal hair, skin and nails. Made with 26 fruits and vegetables and suitable for vegetarians. Alive Multivitamins help support your life your way. Get more out of life with Alive. Available in selected Holland and Barrett stores and online. Food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a varied, balanced diet and healthy lifestyle. We've talked a bit about the importance of uh, sleep. Um, we talked about diet. Hydration is, is obviously important as well. Making sure you're getting enough water to drink. Avoiding high sugar, highly processed foods. And making sure that we're having lots of vegetables, um, essential fatty acids in the diet. Things like flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts are really great examples of those sorts of things. Um, is there anything that you would say is really important diet wise, Hannah? So as you say, you know, a plant-based diet full of leafy greens, I think is fantastic. Now, it really depends on somebody's starting point because for one person, their starting point might already be what they would consider to be a fairly healthy diet. It could be some whole grain cereal in the morning, you know, a sandwich for lunch that they would consider wholemeal and, and healthy. And then perhaps, you know, a dinner of, of pasta with a tomato sauce. Someone else's starting point might be that they call in a, a drive through on the way to work and that, you know, lunch is, is chips from the takeaway and, and that an evening meal is, is a, a processed ready meal that goes in the microwave. So, so really all our starting points are different. And I think this is something that I came to realize in between writing my first and second book that my first book is this really strict 28 day cleanse because I'm so much of an all or nothing kind of person. So if I had to live on juice for 28 days, I'd go and do it just because my mindset can get into that state. But I got this feedback from people saying, well, it's just too much, you know, three days juicing and, and salads and soups. And that, that's just not where I'm at at the moment. So I was really conscious of this. And in my second book, Skin Healing Expert, I make it a much more step-by-step -step gradual approach for somebody who, you know, cannot change their entire life for 28 days saying, well, do you know what? Just including two liters of water every day for the next week is going to be huge. If you're used to drinking two liters of sugary, fizzy pop a day, you know, that in itself is going to be a huge change. Switching from, you know, 
caffeine drinks to a herbal tea. Again, just a simple change, but it can have amazing benefits. And including and incorporating a green juice for somebody who isn't used to getting lots of those leafy green vegetables. It might be, I don't like the taste of broccoli or spinach or kale, but actually adjusting the palate and getting the taste buds used to it by juicing greens can be a really effective step. I'm going through it with my six-year-old godson at the moment. He's just not into eating his greens, but we make a green juice daily. He absolutely loves it. The action of using the juicer, of drinking the juice, and it's just such a brilliant way to incorporate those additional vegetables into somebody's diet. So I would say, Gemma, absolutely everything that you've mentioned, you know, the flax seeds, the nuts, the, the chia seeds, really important, lots of healthy oils and omegas, avocado, leafy greens, a balance of fruit and veg. Those are kind of the underlying integrals. But for me, if somebody's starting point is that junk food diet, making a simple change and doing it step by step can be so much more achievable to begin with. Mm. That's really important. I think many of us like to jump wholeheartedly into something and then feel yeah. like we've, we've failed because we haven't had that kale salad for lunch. But actually, <laughs> if we can ins- consistently put something new that's going to help us into our skincare regime, and that includes food, then mm. all the better. I really like that. Thank you. So moving over to you again, um, Rami, mm-hmm. are there any really common mistakes that people make with their skin when they come and see you? Um I think the main thing I'm finding at the moment is two two sectors, two things that are happening. With lots of um, the younger audience, again, because I have this fantastic internet um, um, world that we didn't have, which is an amazing thing, but also you can really self-diagnose and kind of get yourself into this mindset that I, you know, I need to have this serum, I need to have this, be doing this to my skin. And um, it, and, and that's fantastic. It's good to, it's really good to explore for yourself. Um, but they can become very, very targeted on a certain type of treatment that they think is going to help them and, and their life won't be complete until they've got these products or until they're doing this particular thing. And then once they try it, it doesn't always work or they can't get hold of it. So then they're disappointed. Um, so we have that. But we also have a, an older client who are conventionally used to, I'm finding out, especially the last few weeks, we're used to going into shops and salons have facials and that's not such an easy task now so they're fairly lost and then these are ladies or people that don't always use the internet you know and so they're thinking what well, i've heard about you know such as something like hyaluronic acid which is a bit of a buzzword at the moment but what, what is that and where do i get it so because they're not venturing out as much some of them are feeling quite lost in their own little worlds you know they think they were used to going to the department stores talking to someone for an hour or half an hour and getting advice so um that um, that can happen. That's happening a bit at the moment, you know. Okay. So so one of the most common mistakes that you see is that people get fixated on one yeah. particular product yeah. or they become overwhelmed with the amount of choice that they have exactly. and they don't know what uh, what's best for them. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say, Hannah? What do you think the most common mistakes people can make with their skin? So I think for me, it's just, you know, not taking enough care when it comes to looking after ourselves. And that isn't just necessarily with what we're applying to the skin, but in all aspects of skincare, which for me comes down to self-care. So it could be something as simple as, you know, a change in seasons. We're obviously heading into the colder months at the moment. And it's really important more than ever to hydrate and to nourish and to look after ourselves. But I think whilst we're going through these times of stress, we often put the importance on other people in our friends or family Mm. network, 
we focus our attention elsewhere and we forget to look within and really focus on the one person that matters first and foremost before we can even begin caring for anybody else. If you are struggling with a chronic skin condition, not to feel guilty about taking that extra time to perhaps enjoy a bath with dead sea salts and an essential oil every evening, you know, that's perfectly fine to spend time doing that. It's not an overindulgence when you've got the kids running around and everything else kind of going crazy around you. I think it's more important than ever to make that time to nourish our skin, to look after it, to apply treatments that are going to support the skin's own oil production so that we're not blocking pores, we're not slathering on the sort of petroleum-based emollients that have the potential to kind of block everything and stop our skin from breathing naturally, and to invest in ourselves. And that doesn't necessarily mean spending an absolute fortune. When we said it, the, the treatments that we're so used to having, the spa treatments, the facials and everything else, unfortunately, are gone for the time being. You know, it's such a shame that, I mean, even going for those treatments right now, if you can get them anywhere, it's not a pleasant experience watching somebody dressed in full like treating you it's just not the same as it was but actually indulging in that at home can be really lovely so going to somebody like Romy for advice purchasing products that fit within your budget not spending money on you know the the latest crazy serum because some celebrity has held it up on Instagram and gone this has cured me you know because it just isn't the case um but I think, yeah, working within your budget and, and speaking to somebody, whether that's online or in person, to get the advice. Okay, that's great. And I'm thinking to give our listeners some really practical tips. Now, I know that this podcast is not covering just acne or just eczema or just aging skin. So we're going to have to take a real broad overview. But for somebody who's brand new to any kind of skincare regime, Hannah, what what basic advice can you give people about how to look after their skin? So for me, it begins within, and that is a focus on everything we talked about, the diet, the good night's sleep, the exercise. So when we think of a skincare routine, quite often we think about which toner, cleanser, and moisturizer we're going to put on. And those things are important, but it's equally important to consider what's going on within. So through these stressful times, if we can just take time and make a commitment to say walking for 20 minutes in nature now you might think what on earth has that got to do with our skin but actually it's stress relief it's a change in mindset it's going to help promote that microbiome and the good gut bacteria which in turn will help nourish the digestive tract which in turn can reflect on the skin making sure we go to bed and and almost going back to that childlike bedtime routine where we set ourselves a regime of perhaps a nice warm bath and then you know relaxing for an hour meditation before bed, going to sleep at the same time every night, we're going to start waking up and those dark circles will hopefully begin to disappear. Our skin is going to feel and look refreshed. Making a commitment to drinking water each day. Now, I am guilty during winter of really struggling with this because in summer when it's hot and we're exercising, we're outdoors a lot, it's really easy to commit to two litres of water. But actually in those winter months, it might be a case of switching to herbal teas or soups or something equally nourishing, but still making sure we're getting that hydration and those nutrients to our skin. And then, of course, a focus on diet and making sure that we're getting lots of those plant-based foods and the oils and the, and the, you know, the nourishing ingredients that we spoke about. 
In terms of what we apply on the surface of our skin, you know, making sure that what we choose is within budget because we don't want to be stressing ourselves out, spending a small fortune on something we can't afford and opting for natural products that are not just natural in terms of their ingredients, but also everything that fits within our ethos. So for me, cruelty-free and vegan is a really important part of my lifestyle. So perhaps choosing a range that sits well with us, going for, you know, recyclable products, it all kinds of adds up to that calming ethos and and everything that you know i think so many more of us have a focus on at the moment and yes of course it's important to to cleanse and to moisturize and to do that with products that aren't harsh chemicals that aren't taking away from the skin that are supporting our skin's own natural ability to regenerate and to produce the correct oils and to rebalance and i think that's where you know going into store and speaking to somebody like romi is really important because she will be best placed to offer you advice for your very specific skin type and um, which in turn you know, will lead to you getting absolutely the right regime for you. And Hannah, what are your thoughts on things like retinol um, kind of preparations on the skin itself? And, and, you know, do you recommend any specific kinds of ingredients that people look for when they are buying a skin product? You know, quite often for me, it's about recommending what they look to avoid, which, <laughs> which is a really good starting point. And that is you know, certain SLS and parabens and petrochemicals that are in, in skin products. I went through 20 years of applying petroleum without really understanding mm-hmm. what mm. this was doing to my skin. And, you know, this product was offered to me by my doctor. A lot of the time, coal tar and petroleum products are still the sort of initial treatments that, that people are offered when they go to their doctor, first of all, with a skin condition. But actually, I didn't realize that you know, this was a double-edged sword in that I was applying it and instantly my skin would feel hydrated and nourished. And then half an hour later, it would feel drier than it had in the first place. So I'm applying more and then starting this cycle of, you know, really heavy, thick, greasy emollients that were trapping the moisture in my skin that weren't allowing it to breathe, that weren't allowing it to produce its own oil and creating this detrimental cycle. I see. Wonderful. Okay. So, If we go back to advice for people who are generally having to live with a skin condition, and this is something that Hannah, you've spoken quite a lot about today. Is there any additional advice that you'd give to somebody who's really struggling? So I think first and foremost, speak to somebody and we're all guilty sometimes of going into our own little shell, aren't we? When we're struggling, no matter what that's in, whether it's skin, whether it's our mental health, whether it's stress, I think speaking to somebody and opening up about the problem is a massive first step. Now, it's something that I really struggled with. When my family and friends saw the pictures of my skin at its very worst, they were they were fairly horrified. I kept it a secret. I dealt with it in my own way. And actually, it wasn't until I really looked at changing every part of my diet and lifestyle seven years ago, that I actually started speaking to a therapist. Now, this always sounds a little bit American, doesn't it? You know, having a therapist on call. And I think talking about it has been an incredible, incredible first step for me. And now I speak to my therapist on a regular basis as a kind of ongoing maintenance regime. I think sometimes we're scared to say it in case people think, oh, you know, she's the crazy one or she's got problems with her head. But for me, I'm really open and honest about about it. And I think it is part of that process, part of my healing process, an ongoing part of my healing process. So whether you just reach out to a friend or family member, whether you seek professional advice and counseling and therapy to deal with something like that, I think 
is absolutely key to starting to turn it around. Going to speak with your doctor to get a diagnosis. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you've then got to follow medical treatments that you might not feel comfortable with, but certainly getting a diagnosis in the first place and then knowing how to treat that. Reaching out on social media, because there are platforms there that are positive and empowering, Deleting and blocking those accounts that do not serve you. Now, I think this is huge because Rami mentioned, you know, the airbrush celebrities. My, I absolutely refuse to follow anybody that isn't genuine on these platforms because if you start to look at your grid and all you're seeing is flawless celebrities in the best makeup and, you know, airbrushed and, and, um, and photoshopped to within an inch of their lives, it's not going to do your mental health any good. You're competing against something that's completely unrealistic. So I think keeping it real, talking about it, connecting with people who are there to support you, nurture you, and, you know, are looking for the same kind of support that themselves perhaps staying accountable whether that's creating a blog or an Instagram account to document your progress which can also help other people in their journey as well I think there are so many different ways we can go about this but talking is the first really important key to that Mm, that's really fantastic advice thank you so much Hannah and Romy what do you recommend you've talked about the experience that you have with regard to helping the clients through these decisions around products have you got any other advice that you could give to somebody coming to you for help again if people can go to a store or a salon and and be honest and hopefully get some very you know constructive um, um advice that's fantastic um but do take everything with a pinch of salt. I mean, sometimes people, I get people come in with a product in mind and they've read reviews. Now, reviews are a funny thing because I always say they're subjective. I mean, everyone's perception is different, aren't they? You know, they may use eye cream one day and think it's wonderful. They then go and tell their friends, but their skin will be different. It'll be different texture. They'll be a different age. So, you know, even when I'm recommended the products that I've used, I'll say it's it's going to maybe take a couple of days. A skin, as we know, takes... Um, well, we know, but some people may not know. It takes at least sort of six, seven weeks for a product to actually the improvement to show in someone's skin. And when you have people coming in with uh, the 2020 problem of mask need, yeah. what actual advice do you give them? I think now I'm noticing it. You almost have to treat when you're talking about cleansing routine. How you know people have a combination skin, which is typically oily on the T zone. We're now having with masking. It's kind of two different halves of their skin, so they may have a very, very sensitive. Um, skin the rest of their skin they may need, a, may need a fairly rich cream after they've cleansed and toned um but that may not be true at the bottom half of their skin because it's been covered up most of the time so um you you do have to almost think of your skin in two halves i think sometimes with masking um it's um we've got wearing these masks which are causing bacteria we get quite hot underneath and anything that's there is sort of trapped so you have to with all skin you have to cleanse very well at the end of the day because of pollution and um, if you wear makeup but even more so okay so top tips would be to make sure you clean your face yes. um every day because even if you don't wear makeup you that could thing. have pollution on your face so clean it that's really one fantastic tip mm. um exfoliation is another fantastic tip is the exfoliation necessary daily or could that be twice no, no, a week or what twice do you think a week. i mean again you probably would be advised by someone or look online for advice um it depends on your skin type um if you have an oilier skin, some people, when they have an oilier skin, tend to think they should do it more often. That's not necessarily the case because you can encourage more oil. Um, but conversely, people have a very dry skin. Think, I shouldn't do it because I'm sensitive. But there are products or something like a muslin or natural, um, even natural ingredients you can make with oatmeal and things like that you can do yourself. 
to gently get rid of dead skin, but you need to get rid of the dead skin to allow the natural oils to come out um, onto your skin. And then it also means anything you put on can soak in better. So right. it's, it's a really important barrier, but it's again, getting the right product and doing it appropriately, not too often. Um, I see. Okay. So don't overdo the exfoliation. No, okay. <laughs> all right. Now, Hannah, let's cut through all of the skincare advice that we see on the internet. Have you got top tips for, say, oily skin? Number one top tip for oily skin, number one top tip for aging skin, um, and number one top tip for dry skin. Hannah, you, <laughs> over to you. <laughs> for me, my, my skin has always been dry. It's always been on the dry side. So let me start there because, you know, I, I really struggled with conditions like eczema and psoriasis, which of course add up to dry skin. And even now I drink my water every day. I make sure that I'm focused on that plant-based diet and still my skin is more on the dry side, especially as we go into winter. So in ensuring it's hydrated. And as Romy said, these products don't have to cost the earth, but gentle exfoliation a couple of times a week, taking baths with oils that are going to nourish and support your skin. So instead of using those harsh bath foams that I used to pour in there like they were going out of fashion to create the biggest bubble bath <laughs> in the world, I might instead use a handful of dead sea salts and some natural oil like almond or apricot seed oil. And actually I'm going to get out of the bath and my skin is going to feel nourished and hydrated. And then applying a natural moisturizer, which again is going to add benefits, not a petroleum-based one that's going to block pores. So still allowing the skin to breathe. So I think obviously, I mean, it's so obvious that for dry skin hydration is important and that goes from the outside and the inside and as we go into winter just taking extra care to ensure that's part of our everyday routine I think is absolutely key. In terms of oily skin so again, in the T-zone, you know, as Robbie mentioned on the face, you can have that combination where you have got the oil in a, a certain zone on your face and then the other parts of your the skin on your face are particularly dry. Read the bottles carefully so that you're purchasing a cleanser that is suitable for um, that combination skin type, not exfoliating too much because you are going to increase the oil production and that's going to, you know, only add to the to, to that oily skin on your face. Um and I think, you know, for super sensitive skin, it's just really important, more important than ever to invest in natural skincare. Because if you are prone to struggling with these skin conditions, it's not too much to ask to just invest that little bit more in a product that, you know, initially might feel more expensive, but actually in the long term is going to help your skin to retain its own balance and to find its own natural equilibrium, which in turn will stop you having to apply products so frequently. So it's really tempting to reach for those cheap petroleum kind of aqueous creams, but ultimately you're not allowing the skin to do its own job. So it might be that you're going away with a small a pot of cream but the idea being that you know through a healthy diet through lifestyle change and through applying um sparingly your skin can begin to to rebalance itself and to help it it maintain its equilibrium so what you're saying is sometimes a little goes a long way and you've uh, you've mentioned uh almond oil you've mentioned apricot kernel oil is there any other top tips that you have from me in terms of things that people can actually remember and take home from having listened to us today well, um, when talking of essential oils, I mean, I've, I've noticed um, a really big resurgence. They've always been there, but at the moment, because of stress and things like that, so people are coming in, yeah, and buying essential oils. They've been around for years, centuries. Lavender is very classically for relaxation. Tea tree people use, which is a good thing for combination skin. Um, uh, almond oil, you know, it's all those things. There are, and it's also while we have a bit more time on our hands. Um, 
so we can um, have fun with making the skincare products and things for the bath and soaps and all sorts of fun stuff. you know it's, it's it's i think it's it's really exciting for me to see that you know people using and all these things that have been used in different continents like turmeric which people are using in taking inwardly and now using skincare preparations like almond oil um castor oil, lots and lots of different things it's fascinating it's a big world out there so yeah do them ask them to do some research and have a look and see what's there to help them Wonderful. Okay. So we've covered a huge amount of ground today. We've talked a lot about how we can nourish our bodies from the inside out. We've talked about the importance of sleep. We've talked about the importance of staying hydrated. Um, And we've also talked about social media, the ups and the downs and the pros and the cons. And Hannah in particular was also able to share her experience in terms of using social media as a tool for connection and finding your own community and finding other people that you can really resonate with um i just want to just end um by asking hannah if there was one thing that that she would advise people to take away from this talk what would it be oh my gosh no pressure (laughs) i think i think it would be that we're all individuals so we're all individual in terms of who we are where our focus is what our skin type is what our skin conditions are and so whilst we can listen to and take on board all this information none of us should feel like we're failing by not following every single thing that we've talked about and that also goes for everything you read online everything you see on instagram somebody might look at my page and go oh my gosh she's running five kilometers a day she meditates every day she's in bed by 10 o'clock you know all these different things but the reality is we're all just living our own lives and I'm not perfect either so I think being an individual doing what suits you finding the products that suit you and that sit comfortably that is in terms of skin condition in terms of price range in terms of you know what, what works for you and yeah they were all individuals I think that's really important and that we have to do what serves us best individually Great, great advice. Oh, thank you both so much for joining me. It's been really interesting today. Um, so thank you to Hannah Silito and thank you to Romy Olly. And also thank you to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Join me again next time for our next episode when we'll be talking about exercise and crucially how to get motivated and keep our motivation. Looking forward to seeing you then. Thank you so much. For more health and wellness advice, visit the health hub at hollandandbarrett.com. All views are those of our guests and not Holland and Barrett unless explicitly stated otherwise. Any reference to brands and or products should not be considered as an endorsement.